if you have a Bible, and I hope you do. It's great to be together in the house of the Lord. Amen. And as the two brothers who came before me aptly said, we are not trying to define God as he is incomprehensible. But the goal of this series is to point out some of the characteristics of God that we can gain from the scripture. Isaiah 43.2 is one of my favorite verses, and I invite you to turn there this morning. And it reads, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk ablaze through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. That's a wonderful verse. It's a wonderful promise. But you know, in my Christian walk, I'm going to be very honest with you. There's times that I haven't wanted to pass through the waters. I haven't wanted to. I've wanted there to be a big old bridge over the top of it. I like bridges looking down. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are religious. Paul calls to the Athenian spectators religious. And don't mistake that as a compliment. As Christians, we are not religious. Religion implies that we are saved if we believe the right things and do the right things. The current population of the world is rounded to 7.8 billion people. 7.8 billion people filling the earth with God's image. That is glorious. Can I be frank this morning? We live in a world that allows, worse yet, encourages at times the idea that it's perfectly fine to terminate a pregnancy and thus a God-given life if that life is deemed an inconvenience. That's not only heartbreaking, but it's blasphemous. To give life or to take life is to play God. And we do not play God, we obey God. In Revelation 5:13, we're told, I heard every creature in heaven, on earth, under the earth and on the sea, and everything in them saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to the one seated on the throne, to the Lamb forever and ever. Now we see that His glory is not restricted to humans. No, no, no. Far from it. Everything in heaven and earth is shouting praises of Him to His glory. And just when we think it can't get any better, it does. He's got a son, Jesus. But, and I can't stress this enough, church family, God can only save us if we put our trust in Him and not worldly things or problems. Paul is invited and goes to preach in the Areopagus and passes by an altar inscribed with the words, To an unknown God. And Paul goes, Actually, I know him. Don't miss it. Paul starts by sharing the gospel right there in those three words. It's not some elaborate sentence with a bunch of complex words. It's just a sentence that every single kid in this church can say. I know Jesus. Saul had confidence or trust in his armor, but only as long as David was the guy wearing it. You see, Saul was not trusting in God. Saul was not trusting in God's divine plan. But David trusted God. He trusted God's divine plan, and he trusted God to save him because ultimately David knew God was the only one who could save him. God is with us. It doesn't say God is with Moses. God is with the super saints. God is with us this morning. He's with us. And that's a promise. It's not just something on a t-shirt. It's his promise to us. He's unshakable. He will not back off of his word. This verse excites me. It means you and me this morning in the 21st century. I'm excited about that. And one called to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. God, almighty creator of the universe, the one who traced 
the rivers with his finger on this earth and healed the afflicted that we talked about. This God is with us, identifies with us, and with me. Romans 5.8 clarifies that for us this morning. It reads, God commended his love to us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. David is showing his love for God. Lord, would you kill the wicked, your enemies who rebel and detest you? David is saying that if you want nothing to do with God, then he wants nothing to do with you. I have a God who knows my every need, my weaknesses, my fears, and insufficiencies. And I have a God who can meet my every need and supply my every sufficiency, and that God will be there with me regardless. Is my heart provoked by sin? Am I willing to preach under fire for believers? We must have Jesus in order for God to be with this morning. God is great because he is the creator. We already established that God is all-knowing, ever-present, and almighty. If we truly believe God is majestic, then we must respond because after all, he is trustworthy. God is with us. Amen. Amen. Praise God. That's a tough, it's a tough five weeks to follow. It really is. It, it, it carries a lot of weight that God is great. God is almighty. God is majestic. God is trustworthy. God is Emmanuel. And God is Lord. That's what we're going to cover today. God is Lord. If you've, if you've got your Bibles, I hope you do. Um, grab them. Keep that, that Corinthians verse bookmarked, but also flip back to Exodus. Um, we're going to look at a couple passages this morning to begin with in Exodus, uh, beginning with chapter 3. So if you would find that spot first and, and give an amen once you get there. The amens are going to have to be 50% louder this morning, and I'm going to assume that everyone is smiling at me. So, so the, last, the last five weeks, these, these young brothers that have shared have, have told us about God, about characteristics of God, about who God says he is through his word. And so that's what we're going we're gonna to continue looking at today is who does God himself say that he is? The term Lord is a, is a term that if you've, if you've read the Bible, you, you see it used so many times over and over and over. And every time you see it printed or written in the Bible, the, the term Lord is different. It's different than any other word in the Bible. And why is that? When you look at it in the Bible, in the printed, the printed text, it's, it's L-O-R-D, but they're all capitals. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Why 
is the term Lord capitalized in the Bible. So the, where does the term Lord come from initially? Um, it is a term that's seen over 5,300 times in the Old Testament. 5,300 times in the Old Testament. Almost 8,000 times total, just a hair over 7,800 times total, referring to the Lord. The original text, the name for God was Y, capital Y, capital H, capital W, capital H. And, and in Jewish culture, to, to keep from even saying the word, they took another term, Adonai, which means master, and which is a Greek term. The YHWH is, is Hebrew. And they, they meshed these together. So they took the vowels from Adonai and they put them into this and created a word that we pronounce as Yahweh, the Hebrew term Yahweh. And that is, that is the root of where we get the term Lord. So when we refer to our Lord and Savior, God, Jesus, we are using that term Yahweh, that Hebrew term. So let's look at the text, and let's see what God says and how God describes himself. First, Exodus 3. God appears to Moses in the form of a burning bush. We're going to be on verse 13, so find your way to verse 13. So God here is commissioning Moses to lead his people out of Egypt. Right? The, the, God's chosen people are slaves in the land of Egypt. They're captive and, and they're, they're not living up to what God wants them to be, right? They're, they're, they're slaves. They're stuck. So they have to be brought out. And God commissions Moses. And Moses is questioning God. God, who am I to lead your people? Who am I to do this? And then verse 13 we look at that for God to tell Moses, because Moses asks, who am I? And then, and then Moses transitions and says, okay, God, if I go, and I go to the people, and I go to Pharaoh, who do I say sent me? Who are you, God? Verse 13, then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Verse 14, God says to Moses, and notice the all capitals here. God says to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Moses says, who do I Tell the people has sent me. And God says, I am who I am. 
Now that's where we get the shortened form of, the shortened form is Yahweh. Yahweh, Lord. And God follows that up and just says simply, I am. Throughout all generations, the name itself conveys the eternal self-existence of God. There was no beginning to God. There is no end to God. God says, I am who I am. God is immutable, meaning God is eternally unchanging. God is the same God with Moses, the same God that we pray to today. God is I am. Now we're going we're gonna, to, staying in Exodus, we're going to move a little bit further. We're going to still look at Moses, so fast forward to chapter 34. Moses faithfully follows with a little bit of apprehension. I am sends Moses. So we're fast forwarding. Moses leads God's people out of Egypt. They cross the Red Sea. God rains bread from heaven. He gushes water from a rock. He, chapter 20, God gives the Ten Commandments. Moses goes up to Mount Sinai and receives the Ten Commandments. He comes back down in chapter 32. We see the people build a golden calf. Moses comes down from the mountain of being with God, and he sees the golden calf, and he, and he throws the tablets, and he breaks them. And then we look at chapter 34. So at this point, Mo Moses is now, God has told him, hey, prepare some new tablets. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to redo the Ten Commandments. And, and Moses is now going back up to the mountain, to Mount Sinai, to receive those from the Lord again. And so we're going to look at verse 5. And we're going to see what the Lord says about himself. This is God. This is God speaking. So Moses goes up to Mount Sinai to receive new tablets. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, this is God speaking, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving inequity and transgression and sin. God describes himself. He told Moses, I am. And now he's telling Moses pieces of, he's giving him pieces of his character. Who is God? Who is I am? How is he Lord? God's telling us here. Now we're going to keep moving. We're going to look at, so this is the Old Testament. This is Yahweh. This is the Lord. This is I am. We're going to look at the New Testament. What's the, what's the New Testament say about God, about the Lord, about Yahweh? So I'm going to flip over to John. And in John 8, Jesus is in the temple teaching. 
the Pharisees, every time Jesus preached in the temple, the Pharisees questioned. The Pharisees challenged. The Pharisees tried to trip him up. They were never successful. Why? Because he is Lord. He is Yahweh. He is I am. He doesn't change. He's immutable. So we see the Pharisees questioning Jesus. In verse 48 of chapter 8, they start to tell him, you must have a demon. Something's not right with you. Jesus makes this statement that if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. And so the Pharisees ask, but even our father Abraham saw death. And so they said, you're not greater than Abraham. And Jesus says, hold on. I know Abraham. And Abraham looked forward to the day that I came. Jesus. And they say, you're not even 50 years old. You don't know Abraham. Abraham died generations ago. In verse 58 is the key verse here. It gives me cold chills just thinking about it, getting ready to read it. Verse 58, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus proclaimed himself to be Lord, to be Yahweh, to be the God of Moses, the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, the God of Isaac. Jesus is Lord. Acts 14.12 tells us, and this is Peter referring to Jesus, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men which, by which we must be saved. They recognized it. They knew Yahweh. They knew the Lord. They knew I am. Our scripture reading this morning comes from 1 Corinthians 8. I'm going to ask you to flip there, flip back there now. First Corinthians 8, we're going to look at starting with verse 3. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Brother David touched on this last week. God knows us intimately. He knows the hairs on our head. He knows everything about us. He knew everything about us before we were knit together in our mother's wombs. If we love God, God knows us intimately. Verse 4, we know that an idol has no real existence. Brother Sean talked about that weeks ago. Idols don't, idols are fake. There's no value in them. There's nothing good that can be gained from idols. 
continuing on in verse 4, and that there is no God but one God, the Almighty God. Brother Jacob touched on that. God is Almighty. There's only one. There can only be one person to claim Almighty. Period. Verse 5, for all there, there, there may be so-called little g, gods in heaven and on earth, as indeed are many, quote, gods, little g, and, quote, idols, and lords, little l, right? There are many gods and lords. They're idols. Verse 6, yet for us, those who are called into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, for us, there's one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist. We exist to honor and glorify our Father in heaven. Amen. Continuing on in verse 6, and there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. It's only through God, through Jesus, excuse me, it's only through Jesus that we can get to God the Father. Through that relationship with Jesus Christ. He is our Savior. This is heavy. This is a lot, right? The last five weeks have been such... A blessing, and I, and I sat yesterday, and I'm going to be transparent with you guys. I sat yesterday as I'm reading the scriptures and, and re-listening to the sermons and from the last five weeks, and I sat at my kitchen table, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I sat there, and I just cried. God is Lord. That means something. Not because of anything any of us have done or will ever do. God is Lord because of all the truths that, that we have and my brothers have gleaned from these scriptures the last five weeks. That is why God is Lord. God is great. And because God is great, we must elevate him above all. God is almighty. Because he is omniscient, he... He is all-knowing. He is omnipresent. He's always present. He's the light of the world. He is our creator, and we are just his mere creation, made in his image. God is majestic. God is majestic because God is holy, holy, holy. Completely set apart from that creation. His glory will last throughout all generations, for all eternity. God is trustworthy. Because he's immutable and he never changes, he is always in control and we can always trust him. God is Emmanuel because God's with us. He promises that. He's always with us. Those things are true. We've proven that. Because those things are true, 
we have to believe that God is Lord. There's no other answer. Those five things have been proven true. And the sixth is God is Lord. God is Lord because he himself tells us who he is to Moses. I am. God is Lord when he takes on flesh as Jesus Christ and walks this earth. God is Lord when Jesus walked up Calvary's hill and hung on that cross and died. And God is Lord when Jesus stood up three days later and walked out of that empty tomb. God is Lord. I'm going to leave you with one final thought from the book of Romans, chapter 10. If you believe these truths today, if you can say in your heart, I do believe, I believe that God is great. I believe that God is almighty. I believe that God is majestic. I believe that God is trustworthy. I believe that God is Emmanuel. And I believe that God is Lord. And you want God to be Lord of your life. I invite you, ask him into your heart. Ask him to forgive you your sins. When we go into our music time, the altar's open. You can, you can stay where you are. Any of us will pray with you. But please, if you've not done so, and you feel that pulling on your heart, ask him. Romans 10 tells us, verse 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all. Bestowing his riches on all who call him. Verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we thank you this morning that we can gather as your people and open your word and hear what you say about yourself, God, that you are great, that you are almighty, that you are majestic, that you are trustworthy. God, you are Emmanuel, and you are Lord, I pray for all of us here today that if there's one that doesn't know you and wants to say, God, I want you to be Lord of my life, that they will come to you, that you will draw them near. Just thank you 
Thank you for the ability to gather, God, and to proclaim your name. Just thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.